I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back yet again, everyone, to another podcast on the Crimson Quarry Podcast Network. Uh, this is a podcast was good. As always, I'm joined uh, by Austin. Austin, IU is bowl eligible. How does that feel? Uh, honestly, uh, I was talking to uh, our friend Cheese after the game on Saturday, and I just I, I didn't really know how to describe the the feeling that comes with Indiana being bowl eligible in October. I I told Cheese that it felt like I was flying. Um, yeah, it, it's just it's. If you're an Indiana football fan, this is something that if you're a younger fan, especially, you've never felt before. Um, if you're an older fan, you haven't felt it in a long time. So it is just, it feels special, man. It feels great. It is certainly an incredible time to be an IU football fan. We're going to dive all into that Nebraska game, talk about the Northwestern game, all kinds of stuff. Before we jump in too deep, I want to remind everyone, uh, as you guys already know, if you haven't already, uh, subscribe, leave a rating and review. Helps us out a ton. I won't give the long diatribe. You guys have heard it before. Uh, because I really just want to talk about this football game. Um, we went in. No no panics. Uh, Nebraska didn't have Martinez. They played a lot of different quarterbacks. But end of the day, we come away with a win. I honestly, <laughs> I was almost speechless. It's uh, it's hard to describe, kind of like you said. For the the legitimate people out there that are have followed IU football, as we have, our readers, our listeners, this has always been just a really hard team to kind of describe in general. Um, so to describe them as a bowl team in... October is it's hard to put into words like I, it's just wild like <laughs> I would have never we made the nine Windiana post as a joke as a bit like that's very realistic now like that is our second most likely record is nine wins like that is insane to me is that not insane to you I yeah I mean it I was all in on nine Windiana and I know that at least for Kyle, it, it, I don't, I don't think that Kyle thinks it was a bit, um, no, he, he, he was all in on that. He, that, that was real for him. Uh, it might've been a bit for some, but he was all in. Um, I, I kind of believed it and I didn't believe it in the sense that Indiana was going to win nine games, but I believed that. The, the talent was good enough for Indiana to have a legitimately good season. Now that we're actually talking about nine wins and we're talking about maybe 10 wins, um, if we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, it, it it's pretty crazy. Um, I, I didn't expect that necessarily. I did expect bowl eligibility. Otherwise, 
what was the point of doing this all over again, but nine wins. Not even possible. It, it's, I believe it's statistically probable at this point, which is tremendous. Yeah. Uh, we'll start off, we'll just talk about this game, go a little bit through all of it, um, because there's a lot to take away from this game. Start off, like I said, Peyton Ramsey, uh, he starts the game. I would probably argue this is the best game he's ever played for Indiana. Um, he was I agree. Ab- yeah, he was absolutely nails. I know a couple different people have described it that way. He was absolutely nails for that entire game. Um, he finishes 27 of 40, 351 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. I was trying to look up. It is not on sports reference. I don't know what Indiana was on third down. I'll try to look that up. But he made so many huge throws on third down all day long to extend drives. I think even a couple on fourth down as well to extend drives in big moments on the road. How do you how do you sum up what Peyton was able to do on Saturday? It's just, it's exactly what, it's, it's more than you would want out of a backup quarterback. It just, I think that for Peyton Ramsey, that game on Saturday is a career-defining game. He will be remembered when, you know, in 10 years or whatever, when we're sitting around remembering some guys we're going to remember Peyton Ramsey and we're going to think about the time that he went down to Lincoln and he stuffed Scott Frost in a trash can. <laughs> we will certainly talk about Scott Frost here in a minute, but first, yeah, Indiana finished seven of 14 on third down, two of two on fourth down. Um, it feels like every one of those was a Peyton Ramsey pass. I don't know if the stats back that up, but, um, he was absolutely incredible. Um, and, he was huge in, I mean, this is back-to-back weeks now that he's been huge on the road in Big Ten games. This is, I don't, this is such huge progress from where he's been. Some of these throws he's making are like, are incredible. Like, they're, they're not long throws. I guess to a certain extent, the, the, it's cre- it's a credit to Kalen DeBoer for building a kind of a better offense that doesn't rely on him just chucking it 30 yards downfield. Um, but he stayed in the pocket, found his receivers, went through his progressions. He basically played more or less mistake-free uh, football. He had one interception. Um, I believe it was a tipped interception. And because of him... I wrote this last week, and it's even more true now. Because of him, 9-Windiana is now, like, legitimately a thing. Like, last week I wrote it, we were 5-2, and and it still felt a little bit like a a pipe dream, but this is a 6-2 Indiana team because of him. So, huge shout-out to him. He was absolutely incredible. I will 100% eat crow. I, I've said it a couple times. I am happy to continue eating crow. I was wrong about Ramsey. Um, he has proved me wrong multiple times this season. And 
I'm happy. I'm happy to eat crow because it means we're six and two now. Um, you can't really talk about Peyton Ramsey though without talking about Wap Fillier, who continues to have an absolutely incredible season. 14 receptions, 178 yards on Saturday. He was the outlet Ramsey went to the most. How big was WAP on Saturday, and how big has he been these last couple of games with Ramsey? WAP is absolutely just—he's kind of the the engine that makes the Indiana offense go, um, because he can do a lot of different things. He can, you know, be used on short routes, intermediate routes. He can go deep. He can, you know, get the yards after the catch. He can, you know be used however Kalen DeBoer needs him. Um, we saw him early and often against Nebraska, um, and that was very clearly uh, an important part of the game plan. Um, I, I think there were there was a time here or there where WAP bailed Peyton out of, you know, whatever trouble he may have been in. He's just – I think that if you somehow haven't realized yet that WAP failure isn't only a future pro but potentially a – pretty decently high for Indiana draft pick. I mean, Pop failure, maybe a future third round pick in that region right now. He's, he's a guy who's going to go pro. He's really, really good. Like, uh, he's, he's the best receiver Indiana's had in a while. I mean, he's in the conversation with Simi Cobbs. He's probably better than Simi Cobbs. He's uh, maybe Cody Latimer is the most recent guy where you'd say maybe Fillier's in there with him uh, talent-wise. It's just, I've said this over and over. I probably sound like a broken record on this podcast, but Wap Fillier is extremely good, and if you're a selfish Indiana fan, you want him to stay for another year. Yeah, this has gone from a case of Watt being really good to, like, he may not come back next year, which I would be thrilled because that means, obviously, he's going to the pros. But it's interesting you mentioned some of those names because I I looked some things up because, first off, he's not on the Bolitnikov watch list, which I don't know how they... Garbage. Yeah, I don't know how they do their... Their lists, if they update midseason, if they do, he's 100% going to be on it. Uh, for the year now, he is he has 57 receptions, 737 yards, only three touchdowns, but um, he's not really a red zone target. That's not a big deal. So I started doing some looking. First, he is sixth in the nation in receptions. He is 14th in the nation in receiving yards. Um, so... Even statistically, he's already one of the best, not even mentioning what he's meant to to this team specifically. So then I started looking at some IU record books. He is, he should, on Saturday, move into the top 10 in single-season receptions. Um, currently at 10 is a tie with James Hardy and DeMarlo Belcher at 61. Um if he continues the pace he's on, he's going to end with 92 receptions for 1,197 yards. The single-season record for receptions is 79. So he is on pace to obliterate that. 
Um, he already has, he's tied for third uh, twice this season with 14 reception games. Uh, last week in the or on Saturday, then against Michigan State earlier in the year. Uh, he's already all over this record book is what I'm, mainly what I'm getting at. Uh, the, the one last thing is for receiving yards, like I said, he's on pace for 1197. That alone would put him second uh, for single season, and it would be about 50 yards shy of first all-time, Ernie Jones uh, from the 1987 team. Uh, he is very quickly leaving a massive mark on this program. Um I'm not sure career-wise, he's look, he's at 1,300 yards. He'd be looking at about just shy of probably 2,000 yards, which, yeah, he's he very well could be top 10 career receiving yards by the end of the season. Nick Westbrook's there at 1948. Um, so if he does stay another year, then there's a very real chance he could be top five. I don't know if he's going to catch James Hardy at 2740, but... You're looking at, right now, one of the best receiving seasons in Indiana history and a receiver who could become one of the best in Indiana history, which it's not necessarily a storied history, but uh, it is something. I mean, they've been around for a very long time. Um, one last thing I wanted to touch on from this game, and something we've talked about a little bit, something that kind of became apparent as we were doing our previews in this season. I thought a couple years ago uh, when Indiana lost to um, Ohio State on that opening night, I thought one of the big things that I believe Kyle, as we mentioned earlier, said that was the difference between us and teams like Ohio State is depth. Uh, if you remember, they kind of ran out of gas in that second half and Ohio State's uh, skill position players basically just took over. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Not not to the degree it used to be. Um, Indiana is incredibly deep. Well, I mean, first, you, if you start off just at quarterback, uh, not a position you typically want depth because it means that your starters hurt. But Peyton Ramsey, as we've said multiple times, has saved this season. Um, running back, just a ton of talent in that room. Um, Stevie Scott, Samson James, Ronnie Walker, um, David Ellis got a touchdown, uh, this weekend. Um, and then wide receivers might even be a deeper position still, uh, with Wap, Freifogel, Hale, Nick Westbrook is somehow the forgotten one in all this. He is among the receivers, even with Hendershot, he's below all of them. And we thought he was going to be the number one coming into the year. So um, the depth for this team, and that's not even talking on defense where they're really young and really deep. How big do you think that has been for the team this season? I, I think it's huge. I, I mean, you look at, like you said, you, you listed a bunch of guys. But on defense, you look, Thomas Allen's out for the season. And who is Indiana turning to to fill that void? Just James Miller, who was a pretty good recruit. He was, you know, one of those all area guys, local player of the year. And now here he is at Indiana and he had a pretty good game on Saturday. I mean, four tackles, one of them was for a loss. And he was doing that as a guy who wasn't starting. So 
now he's bumped up to starting lineup and he'll get even more reps. So good. It's just all over the offense, the defense. There are guys where, you know, sure, you've got your starters. You've got the guys who, you know, you, you know are good or at least solid. But then you look behind them on the depth chart and maybe it's not, oh, wow, that second stringer or third stringer is really good. Like, they're so good they can be starting on another team. Like, it's not like Ohio State, where Ohio State's twos and threes are guys who Our are going to go pro one day. But you, you look at those, yeah, you look at Indiana's twos and threes, and those are pretty decent college football players. They're, they're, they're respectable. Some of them might even be guys moving mm-hmm. forward. So, I don't know. It's, it's a bit different than it was a few years ago, like you said. So I just, I think that it really speaks to what Tom Allen and his staff have done on the recruiting trail, which we've gone over and over and over on the site, um, put out, however many pieces about it, but it, it really speaks to that. I, I think that Tom Allen should be commended for that. And one other uh, area that I didn't mention, the offensive line as well has absorbed a couple of big injuries, and they've, they haven't been great all season, but it's different from the last couple of years where even when healthy, that offensive line struggled. Um, so the fact they've been able to absorb some of these injuries, Coy Cronk, Hunter Littlejohn, um, and still, I mean, we talked about, or I talked about last week, they basically dominated that Maryland game. Um, that's been huge. So yeah, just across the board, we, we talked coming into this year that recruiting was kind of saving Tom Allen from being on the hot seat. And now it's recruiting that's quickly elevating him, um, to much more than that. There's, he is nowhere near the hot seat anymore. Um, that, and just the last thing I kind of want to touch on, this isn't even really about the game, but just really what this, what being bowl eligible in October means for this program. I'll let you start because I have some thoughts, but I'll let you start. I guess what, what does it kind of symbolize? What does it mean for this program moving forward to, to be at six wins before we even hit November? Well, two years ago, I believe two years ago in Tom Allen's first season, the, the, the team message, the word, God knows what you want to call it. It, it was breakthrough. Yep. And, you know, people might have clowned him for that, made fun of him, whatever. You know, oh, Indiana football going to break through. Uh, no, they won't. I think that this is the breakthrough. It, it, it came a little later than Tom Allen said it would, but this is a legitimate step as a, a team, as a program. Um, Indiana doesn't have to wait until week 12 to try to pick up win number six. They already have it. They might be going for win nine in come week 12. So that's something that you can take and you can show it to recruits and say, hey, we are legitimately building something here. Tom Allen doesn't have to try to sell this vision uh, and just laying it out, you know, with his words, his thoughts. He can literally point to the schedule with all the W's on it and say, hey, Indiana football won six games in the first eight weeks of the season and maybe come the end of the year. It's, hey, we won nine games last year. This is a place where you can come, you can play, and you can have success. And, you know, maybe that starts enticing, you know, 
better recruits, even better recruits than he's already getting. And it just, it's the, it feels like the potential first step in what could be many more steps. Who knows? I, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, but the core of this team is relatively young. Uh, you look at some of the key players, you, you look at Michael Panix Jr. You look at, you know, Stevie Scott. You look at some of the guys on the defensive side of the ball, like Micah McFadden. They're all, like, freshmen, sophomores. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you've got Wap Fillier, who's a junior, could come back next year. This Indiana team isn't a flash in the pan, necessarily. It, it's likely that they aren't. Um, this could very well be the start of something for Tom Allen, and I, I think that it's something that sure you know you want to celebrate what this team is doing right now and you absolutely should everybody should but you should also kind of have an eye on the future because it's coming and it might be even greater than this yeah there's a a couple things tom allen said in that um in his post-game press conference well first i was going to bring up the breakthrough thing which he said after the game uh, quote, this constitutes a breakthrough, which would be the understatement of the century. This does definitely constitute a breakthrough. Um, like you said, it might have come a little later than he wanted, but this is um, this is most definitely a breakthrough. I was trying to find the, the exact quote. Um, I can't specifically find it, but it was something along the lines of the fact that uh, – yeah, he said after the game, quote, I'm going to go get on the phone and call some recruits myself tonight, uh, which both speaks to his work ethic after the biggest win of his tenure. Uh, that's where his head's at. But that was the biggest thing I, I kind of thought of, especially when I saw that quote. Tom Allen's already been killing it recruiting. And to be able to go to recruits now and say, look, what I'm doing is working. Get We want you to be a part of this. Um that's huge. So it's always hard to recruit at Indiana, but when you can have things like this, um, you, you you start getting a leg up in certain areas. So this was huge. Um, this, like you said, the, so many of the guys on this team are are young, and that's a, another big thing. Even even Ramsey's just a junior. Uh, Penix is a, a freshman. Um, Stevie Scott's a sophomore, just stuff like that. When you start looking across this roster, all these guys that are making big contributions, hardly any of them are seniors. Um, Ty Freifogel's a junior. I think really Nick Westbrook might be the only um, senior that, uh, that I don't want to save any note, but the, the really kind of an impact player that's been a se- that's a senior. Uh, and of course there's, there's members of the line and whatnot, but basically this is a really young team that, um, has a ton of talent. So this is huge for the program, huge for Tom Allen, huge for these players. Um, but there's still a lot more to go. We'll talk on that in just a minute. We can't end this, <laughs> this recap without talking about Scott Frost, who, uh, really, he didn't come across great uh, after all this. So I'm sure most of you uh, saw after the game, Fred Glass, Tom Allen, I think maybe even Wap Fillier, 
all kind of alluded to something, some type of disrespect that um, Nebraska had had towards Indiana. Nobody would say what it was. Uh, Kyle did some digging for us, and on the site you can read if you haven't already. Uh, but he said, per a couple sources around the conference, Frost had allegedly raised, raised complaints that Nebraska's schedule was too difficult and that they should play Indiana more. Uh, congrats. You got your wish. Uh, how nude and red do you think Scott Frost was on Saturday? Very. Um, I, I think that the only part of Scott Frost that you couldn't tell was nude and red was his face because he had egg all over it. <laughs> um, you could clearly see his feet though, because both of them were squarely in his mouth. Um, he, he just, he comes out looking rather, rather funny in this because he got exactly what he wished for and it didn't work out for him in the slightest. Um, I know that Nebraska folks are uh, pretty worked up about this because, um, I don't know, they needed a reason to be nude and red like their coach, I guess. But um, all in all, it's pretty funny. Um, Scott Frost doing that and then it turning out this way for him. Um, it's classic comedy. Uh, I think it's pretty simple. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Maybe he does have some sort of point, but, well, um, get over it, I guess. Uh, it's kind of, you know, if you're going to complain about playing Ohio State 7 out of 11 years or whatever, you probably shouldn't do it to a Big Ten East team when Indiana, Indiana plays Ohio State every year, and also Michigan State and Penn State and Michigan, so... Literally the last people that you want to complain to about that, uh, Indiana fans. So, Fred Glass's comment was uh, talking about a signature win. It said, to hit both of those things today at Nebraska was particularly gratifying, particularly knowing Nebraska's staff had no respect for our program. Uh, Watt's quote was that, uh, quote, they got what they wanted. Uh, this would all certainly point to Nebraska coming away with a ton of egg on their face. I'm not going to – I don't even want to dive into Nebraska fans' complaints. I don't even really want to address Scott Frost's complaints because, as you said, they're a Big Ten West team. Like, they can't complain about scheduling in the least bit. Um, I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. That will do it for our wrap-up. That was an incredibly fun game. Um, hopefully there's more like that coming. Which we'll have an, There's another big game that, against Northwestern this weekend, which we'll talk about uh, right after this break. So the first point I want to make as we start talking about this Northwestern game, go out to the game. Go to the game. Like, this... I, I, I was going to write this. I decided to, to save it for this because I or, uh, Kyle wrote that awesome <laughs> let's go to the Rose Bowl piece and I wanted that to stay up there. I didn't want to do anything else. IU fans have, have kind of used the excuse forever. Oh, well, if we were good, we would go out. Or, or oh, if... Uh, if this and if that, if we were actually a competitive team, you have no excuses now. Like, this is the best Indiana team of most people's lifetimes. Um, this is a bowl-eligible team playing at home at night under the lights. This game should 100% be sold out, I would think. Unfortunately, I don't know that it will be. Um, but yes, go to the game. I think both Austin and I will be there. Pretty, a, a lot of the, the Crimson Quarry staff will be there. Uh, this is a perfect time. The IU has a, uh, I believe they still have a sale going on to get, go to the last two games, um, which is this game, and then you get to watch Michigan, which we'll talk about in a couple weeks. But that is going to be very. That could very easily be a pick'em between. Uh, between IU and Michigan, um, one of the best chances we're going to have at beating one of the Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State teams. So get out, support this team. Um, and the biggest thing is that Northwestern's really bad, and we should win this game. Uh, Austin, what's kind of the breakdown on Northwestern this season? Northwestern is uh, a bit of a, a bothersome team. I, I just – Tracking them, you know, I, I do our Big Ten power rankings every week, and I just, Northwestern feels like the ugliest, Big Teniest team in the Big Ten. Um, if, if you look at SP+, Northwestern has the 126th best offense in the nation, um, famously led by prolific offensive coordinator Mick McCall, who nobody has ever been mad about or uh, ever had any issue with as a play caller. Um, and then defensively, the Wildcats have the 13th best defense per SP plus in the nation. So it's a pretty large disparity um, that, that that's basically plague ball, um, borderline murder ball. Um, it's not football that you want to watch. Um, if you look at, how things have gone for them this season. They're, uh, one and six. Their one win came against UNLV at home back in week two. Other than that, you've got losses to Stanford, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Ohio State, and Iowa. So it's been a really tough schedule for Northwestern so far this season. And that's why you heard Tom Allen saying earlier in the week, you know, sure, they might be one and six, but don't let that, you know, allow you to overlook them as an opponent. Um, and, I mean, sure, yeah, they have played a tough schedule, but 
they aren't great. Um, I mean, they lost 31-10 to Michigan State, which is a team that IU was competing with. Um, I it's really really hard to not overlook a one in six team. Um, and I know that Allen has to you know do all that coach speak and stuff, but their offense leaves absolutely just don't it's hard to describe how bad it is um it they've tried a few different quarterbacks um famously they brought in hunter johnson former five-star recruit out of brownsburg indiana uh over the offseason they brought him in as a transfer and he's done precisely jack squat um because the offense is that bad um they've run four Different quarterbacks, actually, no, three different quarterbacks out there. Uh, it doesn't seem to make a difference. They do have pieces that should be good. Um, Isaiah Bowser is a running back that I kind of like. Not like top-tier Big Ten running backs, but decent. Um, I thought that Johnson would be fine. Um, defensively, um, obviously, that's where they shine. Patty Fisher, middle linebacker, should be a pro prospect. Um Overall, if Indiana didn't play Northwestern this year, there's a snowball's chance in hell that I would watch a Northwestern football game because they're just, they're just not good. They're not fun. There's very, I mean, maybe if you like, you know, ground and pound, uh, you know, tough football games, maybe Northwestern's the team for you. But I promise you, they probably aren't. So some stats about how awful Northwestern's offense is. They, so this is from Punt John Punt, which we'll reference again here in a minute. We've referenced many times. Here's their first half scoring points by game. Zero against Stanford in week one. 16 against UNLV. Three against Michigan State. Three against Wisconsin. Three against Nebraska, three against Ohio State, none against Iowa. They are dead last in the Big Ten at passing yards per game, 126. Uh, Aiden Smith has started the last handful of games for them. Not any better than Hunter Johnson was. Um, rushing, they are 10th, 140 yards a game, which means total offense. They are dead last, 266 yards a game. By comparison, IU averages 451 yards a game, which is actually second in the Big Ten behind Ohio State. Um, they are a terrible offense, which we we noted with the um, S&P numbers. The defense, though, is good. Um, they are sixth in passing yards and tenth in rushing yards allowed. Um that which puts them ninth in total yards. Uh, obviously, those are kind of raw numbers. They don't account for a lot of things. But just to give you kind of a sense of where they're at. Um, interestingly, I was when I was looking this up, I did not realize how much IU has struggled with Northwestern. They've lost their last five games against them, dating back to 09. The last win was 2008, and before that, IU had lost four others. So IU is 1-9 in the last 10 against Northwestern. Um, I would venture to say they may not have played a worse version of Northwestern than the one they're going to get on Saturday. 
I'm not too worried. I mean, maybe this is me kind of projecting how I would feel. I'm not too worried about overlooking them because I think IU will be looking forward to this game, basically. This is a chance to come home after a couple weeks away. You just uh, got bowl eligibility. Now you get to play at home under the lights and what should be one of the bigger crowds of the year. Um, I would think that IU is looking forward to this game. Uh, Northwestern presents a fairly easy opponent, at least on paper. Um, S&P Plus predicts them. The projections aren't out, if you, but if you do the raw kind of adding, um, projects them as a 19.4 point favorite, um, which is the easiest uh, game I would have left in that regard. Um, I don't think we're close to that much of a favorite against Purdue at the end of the year. Um, Indiana is currently favored by 12. I would not bet on IU, but that's because, but that being said, they have covered repeatedly. They were underdogs last week. Um, depending on where you got the line, it was all over the place. How you started as a favorite, they went to an underdog. Um, if you're feeling really confident, uh, Indiana is minus 12. Something we haven't talked about, which really, Kind of might be a testament to Peyton Ramsey is whether Michael Penix will be healthy and and able to play. Um, I don't think Tom Allen said anything yet. I don't think he said anything Monday, but uh, do you think Penix will be uh, playing on Saturday? Um, I think it's obvious. I think it's going to be another one of those games where Tom Allen kind of keeps the cards close to his vest um, and. We find out who's playing um, when the quarterback runs out with the offense. I would suspect that Michael Penix will play. Um, I think that he's progressing uh, fine. I, I think I remember hearing something about that on Monday during the uh, during the press conference. Um, Tom Allen, obviously cryptic as always about who the quarterback will be, which isn't a great sign because. Well, if Penix was really ready, he would have just said straight up he's coming. But I, I think that Michael Penix, we should, IU fans should be hopeful that he'll be out there. I, I think there's a good chance he will be. Um, yeah, I was, I was trying to look at comics, comments. I don't believe there was really much. I was honestly a little surprised that he didn't play on Saturday. Um, the so the latest update for Penix will be on Thursday, as you said, and as we've noticed, um, he keeps us close to the vest. Interestingly, Allen did mention that Tuttle was the one warming up on the sideline uh, after Ramsey took some big hits. Um, Read into that what you want. I guess that really just means Penix was not going to play under any circumstances last week. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. He he reaffirmed as if it was needed that Penix is a starter, um, which is reassuring. But also, there's like it was obvious. Um, basically, there should be no reason as well as Ramsey played. Penix takes this offense to another level. We all know that. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see. Like I said, Thursday is when the next update will come, his next availability. After that, I would expect him to say nothing, and we'll find out Saturday when everyone's warming up. That's basically how it's gone. Uh, that's about all we have for the Northwestern game. So I'll throw it to you. What is your prediction for the final score of this game? Hmm. Um, interesting. Let's say Hoosiers win, obviously. Uh, I'm going to go with 28 to 7. Let's go 28-7 Indiana. I think that the, uh, the defense will finally really truly look good for one of the first times this season because Mick McCall, um, not great. So yeah, 28-7 Hoosiers. Uh, I'm think, I definitely think they'll blow them out. I have a little less faith in this defense because they continue to struggle. Though they make plays when they need, they get turnovers, but boy, do they do a lot of dumb things in between. Um, but I think this offense is, especially if Penix plays, is going to really have a, a really nice game. I'm feeling really optimistic. I'll say Indiana 35, Northwestern 13, which I say that knowing that. I don't know that anybody scored except Ohio State that much on Indiana or on a Northwestern. Michigan State got 31. I'm feeling myself. I'm I'm crazy optimistic about this team, and there's a reason to be. So 35-13 is my final prediction. Again, I can't say it enough. Get out and support this team. Um, this is this should be a really fun game and a chance to see what is quickly becoming one of the best teams in the last couple decades for Indiana football. Um, last thing, well, I'll say this. We're, we'll talk about the IU soccer game tonight. We're aware that IU basketball played. There are a lot of places you can find Indiana basketball coverage, a lot. Um, we're not going to talk about them right now. This football team, I think, is too much fun to cover, and that – that paired with how the basketball or uh, how much coverage there is of the basketball team, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit at the end of podcast. We're not going to dive real deep into this into them until football's over. If you really want basketball coverage, which I'm sure most of you do, IDS, IUS TV, both have a ton of people doing great work, um, articles, podcasts, anything you could you could want video go check those guys out um read some of the students work that uh the hard work they're doing as we record this indiana struggled in the first half against gannon um in their exhibition game didn't really give a lot of positive for me for this basketball team uh but we'll talk about that at a later time like i said this football team is too much fun right now and there are plenty of places for you to find basketball coverage. Soccer team, also a lot of fun. Uh, it's been a while since you were on here to talk about them. I'll start off, I'll go way back first since you probably watched the game. They lost to Maryland after we talked about how poor Maryland was. 
what went wrong then, and what have they kind of fixed to right the ship since? Well, against Maryland, the the offense kind of struggled. It, it the final score line was three nil, um, but. As you know, and maybe some of our listeners who are more avid soccer fans know, it's kind of a, a tricky game where the the score line is a bit misrepresentative of the match in terms of how the two teams stacked up, how you know the possession was, how the you know how the opportunities went. Uh, sometimes a, a three nil match could just as easily have been a one nil match. Um, depending on a break here or there, a few inches here or there. Um, that being said, against Maryland, the Indiana offense was kind of, it, it was, it was slower. It was, um, it, it just, it wasn't what it's been for much of the season. And in response to that, the Hoosiers have really kicked it up a notch in attack. Um, since the Maryland match, um, I, I believe they've played three times. They've scored 13 goals, which, has been astounding. Um, that kind of came full circle to, uh, tonight, Tuesday night, when the Hoosiers beat Ohio State 5-1. Um, the attack was just tremendous. Um, they, so they kind of, after that Maryland loss, they, they kind of got together. They figured out what was wrong, how they needed to fix it, how they needed to approach, you know, the, the attack going forward. And since then, they've been money in attack. Yeah, this team, as you said, um, it was a wake-up call that they, I guess, needed in a sense because whether they needed it or not, they responded well. Um, As you said, they put five on Ohio State tonight and set up a – I talked a little bit about it. They were still um, the favorites – not necessarily the favorites, the leaders in the clubhouse, I guess – for the Big Ten title, they can still win it outright. Set the scene. They play Michigan State on Saturday, I believe. Um, it's at East Lansing, or excuse me, Sunday at three. I used still the leader, but kind of what's the scenarios for them to potentially win another Big Ten title? So right now, it's a two-horse race for the Big Ten heading into the final match day. Indiana is two points up on Penn State. Those are the, those are your two horses. Um, basically, if Indiana beats Michigan State, Indiana's your outright Big Ten champion for the second season in a row. And the 16th season out of 29 in which the Big Ten has played soccer. That's incredible. Um, yeah, no, Indiana is, like, it, you, we all know that the IU program is really dominant one of the best in the nation, but then a stat like that comes out and you're like, oh, wow, that, no, really, they really are that great. Um, So Indiana, two points up on Penn State heading into the final match day, Um, an Indiana win makes them champions. Um, If Indiana draws and Penn State wins, then they'll technically be co-champions. There's no tiebreaker, even though Indiana holds the head-to-head. Indiana would simply be the top seed in the conference tournament. Penn State would be number two, and they would share the conference title for um, reasons, I guess. 
Um, now, if you're looking at Indiana losing, Penn State winning, then Penn State wins the championship outright. And if Indiana loses and Penn State draws, IU still wins. Basically, to, to keep it simple, if Indiana wins, they take the title. If Penn State does anything short of winning, a draw or a loss, Indiana wins the title. Um, the only place where it kind of gets murky is if Penn State wins, Indiana draws or loses. Um, and Penn State, I would expect them to win because they're playing Rutger. And despite whatever relative hype they might have had earlier in the season... They're not great at soccer, um, just like they're not great at football or assorted other sports. Um, so Penn State should be able to handle Rucker. Uh, that should be a win for them. I would say that Indiana should be able to handle Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State is traditionally a tough, tough opponent for the Hoosiers in the conference. Um, a couple years ago, they were an Elite Eight team. They actually came down to Bloomington for an Elite Eight match. Um, now they're a bit down compared to the last two years, three years, however many. Um, but Indiana should be able to take care of business. So the stat that you said is just mind-boggling. Um, Indiana, if they win on Sunday, 16th Big Ten title in 29 years. I just wanted to repeat that because that I saw Chronic Hoosier tweet that and I had to do a double take and like a triple take and do some math and try to figure out how in the world um, that made sense. That is wild and just shows how dominant Indiana's been. Um, so they finish up on Sunday uh, at Michigan State, and then we'll have a week off before the Big Ten tournament starts. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if this uh, young team is able to put the finishing touches on a – Conference title, um, which really, we've said a couple times, what this coaching staff has done after losing so much last year, if they're able to bring back largely an entirely new team and win back-to-back Big Ten titles, um, can't say enough how impressive that would be for this team. And a testament to the program that IU has built, which nobody should be shocked in that regard. Um, So... That game is on BTM Plus. It'll be hard to find, but if you have it, tune in to Michigan State. If not, um, I'm sure plenty of people will be tweeting about it, um, and you can listen to it there. So we'll be back next week, hopefully talking about the 7-2 and two Hoosiers um, ahead of a couple of really big games. Again, for the last time, go out to this game. If you're considering it, if you're debating it, I really think this is going to be a really fun atmosphere. It's a night game under the lights. Uh, wear a sweatshirt and a jacket. Get some gloves. Go out to this game and cheer on this team that is a ton of fun and deserves to have a sold-out stadium at the very least on on Saturday. If you haven't already, again, like it or uh, excuse me, subscribe and. Leave a rating and review. Helps us a ton. And for Austin, this is Jacob signing off. Have a great one, everybody.